Matthew 5, verse 5 is this, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Uh, This Sermon on the Mount that we're studying in the mornings, the greatest and most challenging sermon ever, it shows us how to live a blessed life. And the sermon starts out with the Beatitudes, these blessed are statements. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And now blessed are the meek. In a sense, you might say that this is the first of the Beatitudes that calls us to do something. In the first one, Jesus is talking about children of his whose spirits have been broken because of their poverty. He's not calling all Christians to actually become poor, but saying that those who are poor are yet blessed in him. And when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, he's not really calling us to anything. Pain and suffering, for the most part, happen to us. But all God's children are called to meekness. You know, God's word calls us to all sorts of things. We're called to be joyful. We're called to be patient. We're called to be kind. But then somehow being called to be meek seems very different. It's very unexpected. Uh, Those other things, I think, make sense to pretty much anybody in the world. We should be patient. We should be kind. But who in the world wants to be meek? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to explore the unexpectedness of meekness. And by the end of the message, I I, I want you to want to seek the meek life with all your heart. First of all, the blessedness of meekness involves employing an unexpected strategy. The blessedness of meekness involves employing an unexpected strategy. The meek of all people will inherit the earth. How many people would list meekness as a success strategy for their career or for their business or even for the church? And yet, we're told there's blessing for the meek. And it's the blessing of inheriting the earth, no less. And that inheriting the earth, that's biblical language for all of the possible blessings of God's salvation. It's pretty odd. It's pretty odd because meekness involves being humble and gentle and courteous. And everybody knows people like that are going to get trampled on in this life. People like that are going to get left out in the cold. How many people in our world have achieved anything or gotten to the top by meekness? You know, when we're looking for someone to lead, lead us, let's say, you know, maybe it's our school, our place of, of work, who is looking for a meek person? Donald Trump isn't leading the polls going into Iowa because he's shown meekness. Usually people try to get ahead Achieve success through power, self-assuredness, aggressiveness. That's how you conquer the world, right? The more you assert yourself, the more you express yourself, the better off you'll be. Meekness is weakness to our world. And yet Jesus says, the meek will inherit the earth. 
meekness as a strategy for success would have been just as unexpected in Jesus' day as it is for us. In the Old Testament, God promised the coming of his everlasting kingdom. Jesus arrived. He fulfilled that promise. And and he's introducing in the Sermon on the Mount what the Father's kingdom is all about. And people were shocked by what Jesus was saying because it was so different from their expectations for how the kingdom should go and what it should be like. Israel in that day, you might remember, was under the Roman Empire's occupation. And people wanted to be freed from that, obviously, and they wanted Jesus especially to bring them military victory, to restore the glory of their nation, the nation of Israel. The zealots were one particular group in Jesus' day who had the most aggressive ideas about how this should all happen. They weren't a huge group, but they had a lot of sympathy for many people in Israel's day. Let's get the bad guys. Let's stomp them out. That was their motto. But Jesus says, no, that's not my way. He says the secret of the everlasting kingdom, the only kingdom, by the way, that's going to be around when all the others have turned to dust, the secret is the way of meekness. And we see that especially when we focus our eyes on Jesus, our Savior. The blessedness of meekness also involves, secondly, this morning, an unexpected Savior. It involves us embracing this unexpected Savior, Jesus. The kingdom value of meekness comes directly from the leader, directly from the top, the king of the kingdom, Jesus. The people of God in those days were led by church leaders, guys like the Pharisees who had created a religious system, a system in the church that was oppressive. They ruled the people of faith with an iron fist. They created harsh laws, and they said, the way to blessing is for you to follow these laws that we made. And the fact is, it was impossible to follow them. It was an impossible thing they asked them to do. There was no grace, no tolerance God's people were oppressed by that type of tyranny in Jesus' day. Jesus comes and he calls people out of that oppression that they're living under. And he speaks to you and me today, too, when he says in Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart. And what Jesus requires of people is not impossible. It's not too hard. Salvation is within reach. Anyone can have the life of blessing right now in your life and eternally by believing in Jesus. And God is so gracious that he even gives us the faith we need so that we can embrace Jesus our Savior. That way of meekness permeated Jesus' person and Jesus' work. Philippians 2 summarizes that when we read there that Jesus stepped down out of the glories of heaven and he humbled himself to become man 
and he took on the very nature of a, a servant. He did totally the opposite of what the world thinks a great leader should do. And when he did that, how did that all go again? Well, the people of his day, for the most part, rejected him because of it. They hated Jesus. They eventually killed him for the way of meekness. And that's why later on Paul writes that the cross is foolishness to the Gentiles, that's non-Jewish people in the world, and it's a stumbling block to the Jews. This meekness stuff, people scoff at it. But the way of blessing, says God's word, it's to embrace this unexpected Savior. And those who do become like him. We read in Scripture, be imitators of Christ. The Apostle Paul got it when he said in 2 Corinthians 10.1, By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. But contrary to popular opinion, meekness doesn't mean that we and our Savior are wimps. Meekness isn't weakness. After all, the cross led to the resurrection. From the meek way, the meek path led to unimaginable power, power greater than anything in this earth, power over sin and death and the grave. When you look at those people who had the spirit of Jesus in them, you begin to see what meekness is really all about. Moses was called the meekest man in all the earth, and yet he was God's chosen leader to bring his people out of slavery. And Paul, the guy who appealed to the Corinthians out of the meekness of Christ, he preached the gospel boldly. He withstood persecution. He spread the gospel more widely than any of the other apostles. No, meekness does not mean weakness. Christian martyrs throughout history, those who were killed for the faith, they were meek men and women, but they were willing to die for Jesus. Meekness is really a kind of strength. We might say that the meek put Christ and others in God's kingdom before themselves. Pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones says, a meek person doesn't boast in herself and is not sensitive about herself. And he says, one of the greatest curses of the fall is being sensitive about ourselves. And I think that's really interesting. I think it's true. We spend our whole lives concerned about ourselves, what other people think, if we're being criticized, if we're getting enough credit in life. Lloyd-Jones says, when we're meek, we're done with all that. We don't pity ourselves. We don't feel sorry for ourselves. Poor me, life is so hard. People are so mean to me. No one understands me. That's self-pity. And we waste, let's be honest, hours, maybe even years of our life on that kind of stuff. Lloyd-Jones says the meek person is finished with that nonsense. No one can say anything too bad to us because a sinner knows that we deserve whatever they said, and we actually deserve a whole lot more. See, a meek person who knows his own heart and the truth of his own sin is amazed 
that anyone would think well of him or her at all. At the same time, it doesn't mean a meek person is down on herself. Oh, when you have Jesus, you have an appropriate confidence because you belong to him. Nothing and no one can hurt you. You're secure. Jesus loves you. Jesus has got you. Proverbs 25, 28 says something kind of cool about weakness. It says, a person without meekness is like a city that is broken into and without walls. So a person who is meek is like a city with strong walls. It means we're secure in our Savior. As we think about meekness and as we interact with people around us out of who we are, one pastor says meekness means we don't have a big mouth defending ourselves all the time. We don't immediately put up our dukes if we're treated poorly. When things are said or done against us, we let a lot go. We don't make our way in life at the expense of others. We don't leave bodies in our wake to get ahead. A meek person also has a teachable spirit and is eager to learn from others. We are slow to judge and condemn. We're quick to show grace. Galatians 6 says, if someone is caught in sin... You restore that person gently. And so we use that spirit of meekness as individuals, but also I think of that church and I think of us as a church together when someone is struggling. Someone is caught in sin. You restore him gently. As we think about also feeling threatened as believers today in the sense that it seems like we're always on the defensive for being Christians 1 Peter 3 speaks to that. It says that we give an answer to everyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that's in us, but we give that answer with gentleness and respect. We stand for what we believe, but there's a way to do that with the Spirit of Jesus. There's a way to do that with meekness and not aggression and arrogance. We operate differently from the world. We don't use the world's strategies. When we believe in Jesus, we receive the spirit of a Savior. we got to remember this. The spirit of a Savior who was an unexpected Savior. If there's not something noticeably different about how believers operate in the world, then I think that's a problem. Christians will show meekness as employees as bosses. Christian political candidates shouldn't be weak, but they're called to meekness. The same goes for pastors and elders and deacons and and church members. In our friendships, in our family relationships, meekness. In all we do, we look very different from people who don't have the spirit of Jesus in them. A.W. Tozer summarizes the character of meekness, really well, I think. The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be, but paradoxically, he knows at the same time 
that he is in the sight of God more important than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That is the meek person's motto. And so meekness is an internal strength from belonging to Jesus. It's knowing it's not about you, your honor, your position, but it's about God's honor. It's about the business of Jesus. It's about the growth and the advancement of his kingdom. Finally this morning, the blessedness of meekness involves expecting an unexpected surrender. Finally, the blessedness of meekness involves expecting an unexpected surrender. It's an unexpected surrender because those who have not embraced Jesus as their Savior and who have used the strategies of this world, the Bible says they're going to lose everything they've sought to gain in this life. They'll have to give it up. They'll surrender it when in that last day, the Bible says, every knee will bow before King Jesus. And in that day, Jesus says, the meek will inherit the earth. They'll get it all. A foretaste of this in the Old Testament is when the Israelites escaped slavery in Egypt. Um, we, we're just reading that in our family devotions, actually. I think that's why it came to mind. But the Bible says they, the, the Israelites plundered the Egyptians. As they went out, they got many articles of silver and gold and clothing. In the Old Testament, the inheritance of the land was a great promise of the covenant. The people back then, though, didn't know just how great their inheritance in Jesus would be. That in the coming of Jesus, the unexpected Savior, God had even greater things in store than the patch of land in ancient Israel that they were so, it was so important to them. The material blessings the Old Testament talks about were just a foretaste of the full inheritance. In Jesus, we have salvation. We have life abundantly. We have peace. We have joy. We have eternal security. We have the Holy Spirit himself in us. And we have so much more. All the promises of God's word are ours. Through the coming of Jesus, God is making all things new. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. It will extend throughout the earth. We think of heaven as very far away sometimes, as sort of this foreign and strange land. And there's a sense in which it's far away, but the Bible says it's really going to be this creation restored, this very earth here made new and totally purged of sin. The inheritance of the earth, literally, the whole earth being renewed, will most definitely be coming and it will be enjoyed to all who belong to Jesus. And what's coming, we're already now beginning to enjoy as we seek first God's kingdom today and as we apply his kingdom values to every area of our life we're enjoying the kingdom today. It's coming. Mother Teresa would rank pretty high if you'd rank meek people, which they wouldn't want you to do, of course, because they're meek. But Mother Teresa once said this. She said, Jesus said, learn of me because I am meek and humble of heart. And she says about that, he didn't ask us to learn big things. He asked us to learn from him, to be meek and humble 
of heart. And, and to me, I think of that means just faithfulness in the day-to-day, living the blessed life day-by-day, minute-to-minute depending on Jesus, hour-by-hour and however we're called, working towards the kingdom that has come and that is coming. Meekness is very unexpected. It's not valued much in our world, but it is not weakness. It's the strategy to blessing. It's the spirit of the Savior whom we embrace through faith, and it strikes at the very heart of our hope Though the proud and the arrogant sometimes seem to be winning, the meek will have the victory in Jesus. The meek, the promise of Jesus is, the meek will inherit the earth. And you know what? The way of the meek, it can be yours this morning. The inheritance of the kingdom of God can be yours today. Just trust in Jesus Receive him as your savior and live for him the blessed life.